Hey everyone, I'm your host, Micah, and welcome back to the Unpack Podcast. This episode marks the start of Season 3, and to know a little bit about our guest today, you'll need to know a little bit more about me. If you weren't aware, back in 2020, my wife and I went all the way out to New Hampshire and did a thing called a year of service. There, we served in schools and were able to work with a lot of amazing teachers and students and a lot of amazing coworkers and peers as well. And one of those people that I was able to work alongside with is a guy that you're going to hear from today named Richard Bannock. And Richard is super witty, super smart, and I'm sure he would love for me to mention to you all that he is super tall. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with him on episode 11, Flip the Script. Hey everyone, welcome to the Unpacked Podcast. I'm here with my good friend Richard Bannock. Yeah. So he says it's it's pronounced. Um, when you read it, you can argue otherwise. But anyway, Richard, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. What's good? Thank you for uh, pronouncing my name wrong. It's okay. I still accept you. So Richard, we met uh, through a program, a year of service uh, called City Year. <clears throat> What uh, is City Year and why Why did you decide to do a year of service? City Year is essentially like you're an assistant teacher, but you're in kind of a role that's more like tutoring uh, and socio-emotional focused, I feel like. But you can you know, feel free to uh, correct me on that. Um, that's just kind of how like my role was. Um, and it's basically like a year of service. It's part of AmeriCorps and you serve in, you know, a school district that doesn't necessarily have as much resources as others. And, um, yeah, I just did it, uh, because it's like a service thing. Uh, and I like helping out the kiddos, you know? Awesome. Yeah. I think when people toss around AmeriCorps year of service and that could be foreign and confusing to some people. So that's definitely helpful. And city years in, like 29 states or something and richard and i and a whole bunch of other people were all the way out in new hampshire of all places how was that experience for you how was teaching how was kind of getting your your feet wet in that world it was awesome you know and like it 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 was really convenient for me personally because like you know the pandemic kind of killed some of my plans but uh it it ended up uh being a really good way to see okay do I want to be a teacher? Do I want to be in the classroom? Do I, you know, enjoy this? And, you know, City Year kind of gave me that ability to find out, you know, find that purpose in teaching. And and that's why I've like continued to pursue that career path. Yeah. I, for me, it was maybe the opposite experience. I was like, holy crap. It was really hard to be a teacher. And I don't know if I have the capacity to do so. So kudos to you. Um, it's hilarious too. Cause you know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm back at the same school um, that I served at for city or just subbing uh, while I take classes. But it's it's so crazy the impact that this young whippersnapper named Micah made on these kiddos. They come up to me. They're just like, yo, yo, like, say, Mr. Tell Mr. T I said hi. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's so cute to, you know, see their faces and see, like, you know, the positive impact that Micah put on them. Thanks, Even man. He's the worst guy. Thank you. Really appreciate that. <laughs> um, were there any like moments you would say while while you were doing your year of service that were really like, 
light bulb moments where I was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to become a teacher. You know, for me personally, it was kind of like a, like a deja vu thing um, where uh, I have like some learning disabilities and whatnot. And I was ended up helping uh, a lot of the students who had the same learning disabilities as me. And it was kind of funny because I was just kind of doing the same thing that other mentors when I was young did for me. And it was uh, it was just a crazy deja vu moment. So now I'm kind of like continuing the cycle, I guess, of like, you know, someone helped me. Now I'm helping others. It's uh, it's a good feeling. That's awesome to be able to to give back and maybe give them something that you didn't even know that you needed at the time. Um just from from your own experiences uh what what kind of learning disabilities are do, do you have um so i have dyslexia adhd and just kind of like a learning processing thing yeah you know dyslexia makes it harder to read adhd makes it harder to focus i'm pretty quick on my feet i feel like i think it's all the years of basketball and like um, you know, playing street ball, talking a little trash back in the day, back when I was younger, back when I had my knees under me, you know, <laughs> but yeah, that it has something to do with like being able to, um, absorb concepts and, uh, be able to comprehend them as quick as others. But, but, um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of research coming out about, um, cognitive differences, like looking at these disabilities kind of as like cognitive differences. So, so even though I feel as though um, I do learn slower, like I, I genuinely feel that I can see that when I go to school and whatnot. But when I get a good grasp of a concept, I really remember it for like a longer period of time than others, even though my memory probably isn't as good as others for like concepts that I like learn like intently uh, and like through like rote memorization and whatnot. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like. Uh, no one's on my level, but uh, but I, I actually do feel like definitely better than uh, other people who don't necessarily have the same disabilities. And and I see that a little bit in the schools where, you know, some kids like really remember a lot of situations, even though, you know, they have issues reading. So it's, it's very I, I don't know if there's any scientific basis for it um, besides like I know ADHD, there's some research on hyper focus. And for um, dyslexia, there's definitely like you think in different ways. Um, but for the, la- the last one, I have the learning processing thing. I don't have any data to back that up. That's just like gut instinct. But, yeah. That's that's fascinating to be able to take that and put a different spin on it too. Uh, do you feel like, so when you were in school, when you were younger, maybe before these things were diagnosed or right at the very beginning of them, was that like, frustrating feeling like something's wrong with me or maybe i'm not as smart or good as my peers are oh that's that's a great question um you know i was always put in lower level classes and i was always like middle level to to like upper level in those very like um lower level classes so it's kind of like have you ever heard of the term like relative deprivation? Like, like when you see something all the time, like for example, like if you're on social media all the time, right. And yeah. you don't have a lot of stuff, but you see all the time, you know, other like 
it's kind of funny like social media is kind of like you comparing your own life to other people's highlight reels right mm-hmm. like that's a form of relative deprivation like you see all this other stuff and then you think you kind of like uh either like deserve it or should be in that kind of spot okay it's like it's like so your question is kind of like oh you know did you kind of feel that way did you feel like oh like you know these other kids were like ahead of you or whatever but it's like because i was always in the lower level classes already right and i had i was like fortunate in a lot of ways uh, with parents who kind of went once they realized that this is the situation like helped get me like tutors and whatnot like it kind of i i didn't necessarily have that relative deprivation it was more so like within my own friend groups of me taking on level classes and a lot of other people i know taking ap or ib and whatnot but but it's kind of like I just like didn't care. I just I don't know. I just played World of Warcraft and played basketball and that was like all I did. So um I definitely can see though how it can affect students negatively though and how it can affect their confidence and whatnot. I was just kinda like blessed with the fact that I didn't necessarily associate my value to that. Um I I definitely cared more about my like creativity and like learning and getting better every day than I did like where I was right now. And yeah. So, and, and I think like with anyone with, uh, any sort of like learning differences or disabilities, like that should be the mentality. It shouldn't be like, Oh, I should, if I didn't have this, I would be where those other kids are. Oh, it's like, it's kind of like too bad. So you got to figure out, well, how can I get better each and every day? So while everyone else stays stagnant, I catch up. Um, yeah. That's a good, it's a good mindset and it's, it's hard to get to that point. Oh yeah. You or- gotta make a lot of mistakes and you gotta, yeah, you know, you gotta cry a little bit. You gotta, hit the hit the bag a little bit but you'll get if you get there it's it's a good time and sometimes you fall back but you just gotta get back up what were some ways that your your parents got you help you said there was like tutoring and stuff like that but i mean what is it really like to be a middle school even high school kid like struggling to to read or struggling to comprehend stuff maybe as not as quick as everyone else around you I mean, you just get made fun of. You just get made fun of. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and <laughs> as bad as this sounds, like, you just got to, like, accept, like, look, I'm at a disadvantage. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I'm better than you. And it's, like, it's a very egotistical mentality to have. But, like, you got to kind of, like, keep that energy of, like, it, <laughs> I don't know. It's not that serious. Like yeah, you know, let's say some kid thinks you're dumb, right? But it's like, I have abilities that this kid doesn't have. So it's like, who cares? And I think back in the day, I used to get very defensive, you know, about this kind of stuff. But it's like now, looking back at it, it's kind of like control you can control. Like I can't change the past, like move on. Um, But I kind of dodged your question. Maybe I haven't lost my, the politician in me. Uh, <laughs> that's okay so do you feel like you feel like that really had kind of a negative effect on you in a sense of like people were picking on you and bull- bullying you so you what played world of warcraft in your room by yourself yeah, or you're that kid? well oh it's like it's like dude i had a great my, my mom used to joke that i was king of the nerds because i was yeah. always organizing gamers to like play games together and whatnot like like i did D like during lunch you know what i mean like there's you don't get more nerdy you know what i mean no, i think that's um, peak yeah it's peak bro but uh 
it, it's it's kind of like you just got to find the space that makes you happy. You got to find your group. You got to find your click. As bad as that, there's some connotation to that that's not great. But um, you you just got to find your group and um, find solace in them. Have have good friends. If you something bothers you, be able to talk it out with people. If um, if you know something's bad, talk about how you can make it better and change it. And if you can't change it, um, you know, Victor E. Frankel uh, wrote this book called uh, Man's Search for Meaning. He's a Holocaust survivor. And at the end, and, it, and basically the, the point of the book, there's a, there's a lot of points of that book. There's a lot of meaning to it. But the world's what you make it. Like the situation is what you make it. It's about your mindset. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, yeah, you're going through something. It's unfortunate, but, um, and, and it's not to think like, oh, there's worse situations out there, but you can just change your mindset a little bit to make this, like this situation, if it's getting bullied, whatever, more palatable, if you can't change it and, you know, find out and like research other ways to make it better while you're going through um, whatever situation you're going through. Awesome. I think, again, I think I mess up the question. And That's okay. The, that. yeah. the, there's no, there's no messing up a question. We're just having a conversation. I, I've always wondered how does like dyslexia affect someone on a day-to-day basis or does it have an effect on a day-to-day basis for you? Oh, for sure. Like, like, uh, <laughs> um, it, it just affects how you read things. Sometimes you got to do double takes, triple takes, quadruple takes on things. Uh, uh, really, for me, uh, if anyone has dyslexia out there, get a text-to-speech thing. Like that will change your life. Uh, like, uh, like for example, I wasn't the biggest reader. Started getting into audiobooks, um, and that really helped. Um, it, it just it kind of just affects your ability to uh, learn visually uh, compared to other people, and um, you just got to figure out ways to get around that and ways to uh, supplement. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for that. Now I can kind of see the world a little bit better rather than being like when people are just like, oh, I'm dyslexic. Why? Because yeah. you misspoke or misread? Like, no. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, there with anything, right, you're going to have people that are going to like abuse it, you know? And I've definitely ran into those people where it's just like, like I, this, this one person at college was always just like, they can't expect me to do that. I'm dyslexic. And at the back of my mind, I'm like, you're in college. Like you need to do homework. Sorry. (laughs) It's a, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's unfortunate. Like, but it is, what it is like, like for example, right? Like you, you know what I mean? Like you claim to be a soccer player, right? But like I was cooking you. Retired. I did soccer for three years. Retired. (laughs) I will not let you slander my name on the, on my own podcast. That is, the most disrespectful. <laughs> um, In my own house, Richard. How dare you? So I want to I wanna flip the script a little bit um, because knowing all this information that you just shared, like I didn't know any of that up front. Mm-hmm. I, probably, I learned it later on during our year of service together. And I would have never guessed simply because like I think there's this negative stereotype probably obviously that 
oh, people who are dyslexic are dumb or like, and then we automatically assume like, oh, because someone's dumb, they don't like to read or they don't like to this and that. And maybe that's something in the back of my mind that was a bias that I didn't even realize. And I've just been conditioned to that. Um, but like you always had a book in your hand. You're always like telling me about something, ask me if I read this book, asking me like, oh, did you know that this monarchy back in, 700 years ago did this and that I'm like, dude no why would anyone need to know that so what why, why do you have such a passion for for history and politics and just like how the world works um it's a great question first i want to tackle something that you mentioned like micah's initial uh think uh meeting me he definitely was like yo this guy's mad dumb and then he's just like oh no he's just dyslexic it's okay. no no um you know like I, I had to read all the time otherwise i like would lose it like um you know it's like you know this right soccer right you want to be able to um kick a good corner kick right you need to practice corner kicks right yeah and mm-hmm. And if you play soccer every day for a year and then you take off for two months, your corner kick is going to be worse than it was when you were doing it every day. I know. Same thing with reading. No. Oh, you're no, no, I said, I, I know. Oh, I thought you it's said no. no. It's saddening. <laughs> um, but like, it's the same thing with reading for me. It's like, okay, I get fatigued very early on reading, right? So it's like, I have to read or I lose it. Like, you know, um, what is it? You, is that a saying you lose it you 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 uh if you don't use it you lose it exactly exactly um so that's what i'd say to that part and then to the other part um i don't know dude like i i i have to believe it has something to do with my upbringing um like you're know, growing up lower lower east side manhattan and then moving to you know the dmv uh uh dc maryland virginia for for those who don't know the acronym (laughs) um it's just interesting you know i mean like i grew up around a lot of different people sometimes people's identity is a is an interesting way to connect with them right so maybe it started there like you know back in the day like oh you know dude's dominican dude's puerto rican you know like oh like talk about food talk about whatever right Talk about the culture. And I mean, well, you could really apply food and that to everybody, to be honest. Mm-hmm. To answer your question, um, you know, I had a lot of international friends like in, in DC, um, you know, Kuwait, Serbia, uh, Nigeria, South, different places in Southeast Asia. Um, before I even like moved up to Manchester, um, it, it's just kind of interesting. And like, I don't know. I really don't know. My my dad uh, is really into uh, just being an educated person, knowing about stuff. And I picked up his kind of like natural curiosity, I guess you could say. And and um, I really just wanted to learn as much as I could. And uh, for a while, I wanted to be a diplomat. And to do that, you have to pass a test where you have to know basically about everything in the world. Um, uh, or I didn't read, know that. Yeah, it's oh, FSOT, I think, is the test. But you basically have to have a, an immense amount of background knowledge on like what's going on in the world. And, um, but yeah, 
but I was I was political science and international studies, so that that influenced it. And I had like amazing professors with like vastly like very different experiences, and I was just very intrigued by that, and like intrigued about like what goes on beyond like the world that I see. Have cool. fun editing this, man. I'm ranting and I'm making no sense. I That's got okay. ADHD brain going all over the place. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so you said you were international studies and you said poli sci. Yeah, yeah. International, um, international studies minor. Rumor has it that you were you were internet famous for like a day or so. Oh, I was internet famous for a day. Um, so I had a class. It was called uh, Retail Politics um, by an amazing professor at my school. And basically, we came up to New Hampshire during the primary to work on different campaigns. And we also went to every single candidate's campaign event. And um, I told, there was this guy, his name was, uh, his, his name is Ken Bone. He was wearing a red, red sweater back in uh, 2016. And he went viral uh, during the uh, Trump-Hillary debate. And it... It was like the third debate, right? And this guy comes onto the stage and he's just like bliss, clearly like, not clearly, but he just, it's almost like he was blissfully like unaware. After the, th- after the first and second debate, I feel like majority of voters know who they're going to vote for. This guy's like, I still can't make up my mind. Like just, just trying to like figure it out, educate himself, whatever. But he essentially went famous for being like very wholesome. And having like a red sweater. So so I always made the joke to my professor. I was like, by the end of this trip, I'm gonna be the new red sweater guy, right? I'm gonna be the new, I'm gonna be the new, you know, during the primary, during the general, whatever. Like, I'm gonna be that guy. And uh I I kinda achieved part of that fame. Basically, we were at this event. We were at an event of a candidate. Um uh she her her name uh at the time I guess she would be Congresswoman uh, Gabbard. Basically. You know, she does her whole speech, does her whole thing, and she's taking questions, right? And I basically say, you know, politics today is all about marketing. It has, like, nothing to do with your actual policy. It has nothing to do with, like, who you are as a person. It has to do with, like, you know, can you get eyes on you? Do you have the money to do so? Whatever, right? And I essentially say that, and then I said, with that said... Like basically, hopefully, like this moment gives you, you know, some more um, exposure. Yeah. And at the time, uh, former vice president at the time, uh, Biden, uh, he challenged like an old guy and a rocker to a push-up contest because he gave him like a hard question. Like the guy gave him a hard question or whatever. He's like, Joe, Joe is like, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, don't hit me with libel, Mr. President. I'm sorry. Um, but he's like, you know, like you think you're tough, like face me in a push-up contest, dude has a walker, right? And and I and I basically asked Congresswoman Gabbard if she could beat Joe Biden in a push-up contest. And she's kind she kind of says, you know, she gives this like very political answer. She's kind of like she laughs and she's kind of like, you know, he's you know, strong guy, whatever, blah blah blah. She's like, but you know, I feel like I can beat anyone. And I was like, oh, well then let's go. Like, let's do this. And she's kind of like, and the, like everyone, like the, there's like maybe a hundred people and they're just like, oh yeah, like push up contest. And it didn't happen. But then at the end of the event, she's like, you know what? 
Like, let's do it. Let's have a push-up contest. So I have a push-up contest, right? She ro- she she destroyed me. Former service woman. Shout out to the shout out to the you know men and women in the military. Very good at push-ups. <laughs> uh, and uh, she beat me. And yeah, it went viral. Uh, it was on CNN. It was on you know a lot of major news sources, and it it was awesome. Wow, uh, big time loser. Not a boy. Yeah, big time loser. All, <laughs> like you know, went to the state finals in high school, second place. Uh, in college esports, second place. Uh, uh, just yeah, always get second place. I don't know. You had a you had an esports scholarship. What's what's esports? I remember I remember the first day we met Micah, and uh, I think it was the first day we met, and we were playing soccer outside, and it was like a you know community building thing, right for for all the city years. And, uh, and I just say, yeah, was anyone here a D1 athlete? <laughs> like as a joke, because I played video games in college as like an athlete, and uh, and uh, yeah, it was just the. I remember some of our other coworkers always make that joke, like. That that was like a funny way, initial way to meet someone, just asking them if they're a D one athlete, and then saying, "Oh yeah, I played video games." Um, but but yeah, no, it was it's amazing. Um, you know, my my college was very um, ahead of the what, curve. What college? Uh, Randolph Macon College. Uh, okay. Incredible administration, just like very ahead of the curve, very like in tune. Well, like what's going on, and and they wanted to like you know get a handle on uh, esports. Because you know it's starting to become a pretty big thing, so we essentially transitioned our club into an actual uh, program at the college, and uh, students even received scholarship for it. And uh, yeah, so so we were playing this game called League of Legends, and essentially we went to, you know, there's like March Madness, right, which is like the top tier tournament, the top, and but then under it there's the NIT and. There's the NIT tournament. We were essentially in the NIT and we went to the finals and we lost to uh, Indiana in the finals. But we were beating colleges way bigger than us. We're a school of like 1,400 people just rocking all these colleges with 30,000 students. That's but, pretty uh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, take those. I mean, it, that is your your mom said it, king of the nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you did another pretty cool thing while you were kind of in still in city year but still in school um and i i guess it's a pretty cool culmination of hard work you ended up giving your speech like a graduation speech at at school oh. yeah. a does that mean does that mean you were top of your class <laughs> no <laughs> how, how did they pick you why, why did they pick you that's a fantastic question Micah. um there was like a process to like, I guess I won like the competition of like people um, giving speeches. So that's the only thing I apparently have won, you know, <laughs> always getting second. Yeah, no, it was, it was an amazing experience, a great honor. It was, it was fascinating to be able to have that many eyes on you. Like, like, it's just I, like when I first got to the stage, I kind of had to take a breath in and I got a little bit of the jitters of like, like wow, everyone is looking at me. Like this is weird. You know what I mean? Like I just, I just, <laughs> I just feel like a cave, like you know, like a caveman tribal leader. Like you know, everyone listen to me. Like while we make the fire. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was a great experience. I'm glad I was chosen. 
hopefully, hopefully I, uh, whoever, whoever, you know, advocated for me, I hope I made them proud. And, uh, yeah. That's cool. Um, so now you said you're, you're subbing back at the same school in New Hampshire, um, working with kids again. What, what's maybe kind of your hope for the future going forward or why, why are you still engaged and involved in teaching? Great point. Um, you know, eventually I'd love to be just a history teacher, basketball coach, then like on the side, some sort of like personal training gig would be awesome. What keeps me motivated to teach? Honestly, dude, just like something about like helping someone develop a skill and then them um and just like seeing someone progress and grow. I find like a lot of um purpose and value in that. And specifically like with kids compared to adults, like I just love the kiddos. You know what I mean? Like, how could you not? Like, you know, you worked with them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just you know these are these are future citizens. You know what I mean? And it's like I want to be there on a micro level to give them what it takes to um, to be a good citizen and like give like help them you know be the best they can be intellectually, uh, emotionally. And uh, be a part of that process. Um, I, I find very rewarding. I um, this is gonna sound egotistical, but I do feel like when you're directly helping people, it, I feel like it amplifies the value of your job as opposed to like you know someone who's writing curriculum, which is an incredibly important job, and I would love to do that eventually. But um, there's kind of like a, you know, that barrier of like, you're not like directly in the classroom. You're not there, like, you know, in the trenches each and every day. And I, and I like being in that position and, you know, uh, it, it comes with its tough times. You know, sometimes the kiddos are gremlins and, but sometimes like they're just angels and they're just like, um, awesome. And, um, yeah, I just find purpose in helping them out. Great. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I think that I don't think it sounded egotistical, but just to be able to say, yeah, what I'm doing, I'm making a difference and giving back. There's definitely value in that for sure. So is there is there anything that you'd like to to end on or share with people about maybe your story or your journey other than the fact that your name is Richard and you are a nerd? Tell everyone uh, keep grinding. Don't like get too high on the highs and low on the lows. Like there's this, there's this joke in, uh, in college or not college in high school, like during the basketball tournament that I would say, and it's all, and, and looking back on it, it's so cringe, but, uh, can't remember where I got it from, but essentially like, I'd say like in the huddles, like, you know, like we don't get hyped, we stay hyped. And it's like, you kind of have to like keep that mentality of like, whatever you're doing, just like keep trying to get better at it every day. Keep, keep trying to grow. Keep trying to be better. You're not a finished product, even as an adult, right? You you can still grow. You still have neuroplasticity. No excuses. Um, and and at the same time, you know it's okay to just like chill out, do your thing. But just know, like you know, when the time comes, you gotta you gotta keep at it. Richard, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Happy to be a part of it. And you know, I hope you get much better guests than me. <laughs> Doesn't get better than this. <laughs> huh. 
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Richard, and I really want to hone in on something he was driving home at the end there. And for me, I want to phrase it as, you're not a finished product. No matter where you are, how old you are, what stage you are you're in, in your career, how f- close or far away you are from your goals, you're not done. You have a chance every day when you wake up to build upon something you've learned, something uh, maybe you made a mistake, and you can get better. There is that opportunity to get better. And for me, maybe I need to be aware of some biases that I had, uh, how people with dyslexia look and sound and how smart they are. Maybe there's some things that you need to unlearn as well in order for all of us to make more room in our hearts for the things that really matter and the things that are true to begin to grow and spread. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for more episodes of Season 3 of the Unpack Podcast.